Greetings and welcome to another show of harmonics. Today I have a very special guest, a political activist, a human rights person, and also a member of the Defense to Free Edward Pigney, the Reverend. My dear, it's a pleasure to have Ethel Long Scott on my show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Man, it's, you know, I've seen you speak, and you are absolutely inspirational. I hope that you speak and, and inspire people that how you've inspired me. So let's, let's get right into uh, talking about Reverend Edward Pigney. Yes, again, thanks uh, for having me on Harmonics. You guys do a great job here. Um, Reverend Edward Pinckney is like so many of us throughout the country, um, representing a small little t uh, city. Used mm -hmm. to be a little uh, bedroom city from uh, little Detroit. Mm -hmm. It's actually Benton Harbor. Uh, and they've fallen upon pretty hard times. They've gone from um, a bustling, thriving area, not unlike maybe our cities here in the Bay Area, um, to a place where Whirlpool has actually pulled the jobs, it's no longer industrialized, but boy do they have their sights on gentrifying it and getting the poor out. It's about 90% African American city uh, and about 43% of the people are in poverty. Reverend Pinckney kind of just believed all this stuff that Dr. King talked about, that we needed not only civil rights, but people needed to have the money once they were at the counter to be able to buy the hamburger. Amen. So those economic rights. Yes. So he's gotten himself into a little trouble because he actually has been on this mission for 20 years, fighting for the rights of uh, poor people, working people, and uh, fighting against gentr gentrification and against the criminalization of the poor. He's mm -hmm. um, done that. He's, young, he's used every democratic means possible, mm -hmm. and in fact, too effective at it. Too effective at using democracy. Can you imagine that? Uh, yes, I can, because I've been doing some research. So he actually was con convicted, right, of a felony for doing the, trying to do the right thing. And it was an all-white jury. How does that happen in a, in a society or especially a place like Detroit? Right, or, or Benton Harbor, yeah. where it's 90% African-American. Right. Uh, not without a lot of special deeds by special folks, right? So let me do two things. He's actually been convicted twice. Okay. And um, in 2008, he was um, charged on uh, trumped-up charges around um, a recall petition. And that process was over, um, it was appealed, and he was, it was uh, affirmed that he was falsely imprisoned for a year. So he come back, and Whirlpool puts in one of their guys, and the community is more in pain and impoverished, and this time they charge him with, get this, falsifying dates on signatures. And this 66-year-old minister is serving anywhere from two and a half to 10 years. Now this is something that even in the state of Michigan, it should have just, it was overcharged. It was a misdemeanor, should have been um, a fine and they keep on, we keep duking it out. Right. But it's not, they, they, the effort is to shut him up. Shut him up and silence him. So as we speak, he has been incarcerated for more than 260 odd days um, unjustly. I think it's really key that your audience know that it, the judge in that process actually said 
you can um, convict without evidence. The judge actually said that. He instructed the ju instructed the uh, jury, and I mean, this is like a kangaroo court. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to <laughs> yes, say it. it you know, yeah. I I've been uh, channeling. Uh, um, Nina Simone, and I've been, and, and many of her performances, but certainly Mississippi, gosh, you know what, I don't want to yes, say bad words yes, here. Yes, I understand. That was her performance, but it's still, we're it's it's still, yes. 50 years later. So I think that it's important that the audience know that these efforts that have been against not only color racism, but really directed at corporate power and the grab of power mm -hmm. in our respective cities, that the dissidents who have represented that mm -hmm. have really been targeted. That's who it is. So there's there's a question I want to ask you. Why should we actually believe in, in the professionals of his innocence? So I think that this is real important. One, because the trial, it was, of course, the trial is being appealed as we speak. Okay. Um, and the fact that several persons, jurors, actually uh, testified that they likely made the uh, error on the um, on the dates, mm. not signatures, dates, um, and or they may have observed another worker, but that Reverend Pinckney, they exonerated him. He was nowhere in any way involved in this process. Um, this is very important. And one of the reasons that this um, opportunity is so important is that Americans need to understand that this is justice delayed and thus obviously is justice denied. So there is in no way that this man should have been sitting in anybody's prison. And um, it's a political persecution. It's, uh, so it, in other words, it could be like Whirlpool and the government are working together or the state government. And how does that, how does that all, that mechanism ah, works? You know? Okay, so this is a really good thing because unfortunately, this little city represents um, um, a microcosm of okay. what is going on in the state of Michigan. A lot of work, as you know, has been lost there. This used to be our, you know, the leader of our labor organized Industrial. states, right? Yes. Industrial area, but also strong labor oh, contract. Totally. Yes. It's recently become a right to work state. And, and the precursor to that process, Terrible. frankly, yes, um, has been the establishment of this little mechanism called emergency managers. Now your audience might say, well, we might have had one, we've heard of those and other cities in the state of California. Yes. But these little uh, things have been set up to essentially, and the governor established them, against the will of the people of Michigan two different times. They have the ability to subvert elected bodies, be it school boards, city councils, elected bodies. If, a, if an entity is in financial duress, they can, in, they can insert, and they have up to 400 that they can insert throughout the state of Michigan. And Benton Harbor was the first test city, and many that have been established were initially African-American-led, but actually they're being implemented all over. This is huge. That's actually how yes. a lot of the Detroit benefits of, of pensions and health care that workers had, a lot of, they were driven into bankruptcy by the emergency manager. Oh. Okay, so you we, we really, so what's the alarms? Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Yeah. They have real impact for us here in, in the state. state coming here one day, yes, it's, it's it, and the people have to stand up. What would be the counterpunch to all of this, you know, uh, you know, to try to figure out, I heard that he they tried to buy him off. What, what's the counterpunch? How could we be well, effective I, against what's going on right now? You know, something that Reverend Pinckney did 
um, and it's got him in a much of this hot water. He used to every week do something called court reporting. So he would go to the courtrooms and make sure that one, people understood as their children were being unjustly convicted, what were their rights. I found that is a extremely important, I mean, this is how serious he is about this yes. democracy thing. But he also kept educating and teaching the broader audience, if you want justice, you're going to have to organize to get that. Mm -hmm. So they are still persisting as he is incarcerated. The community of Benton Harbor is continuing with their effort to have a recall of this mayor because he was not duly supported. They wanted to unseat him. So that process is continuing. I think that that's a really important thing. The other part, though, is that nationally, we need the, uh, the, the people of, of America to understand we have a lot of people unjustly incarcerated. We have about two yes. and a half million people. We've got more people in prison than any other nation in the world. In the world. Yes. Um, and a good deal of them are for um, nonviolent um, uh, crimes. In the case of Reverend Pinckney, he's been politically persecuted because he stood up for the little guy. Mm -hmm. One, we've got to break that isolation. We've sure. got to You're say, right. you know, the people who defend us, who stand up for us, yes. we stand for them. Sure. So I think that this is a part of, we need to see it as a part of a much larger picture. But there's, there's another story that's happening. Really, Whirlpool is saying that, there, that workers, and particularly poor people, have no rights that they need to observe and respect. There's really a gentrification process that's going on, and that's what Rev, he stepped into it in a big way. Mm. Well, man, we're facing gentrification and displacement throughout the state of California. People can't afford to live in the cities where they work. Yes. These are not far-placed issues. They're right here. right here. And so in those instances, we have got to be involved in a very big, broad movement of saying, look, freeing Reverend Pinckney, um, writing to him, um, helping to make sure that the, the powers that be in the state know our eyes are on you, this is not all right. Actually, the local um, SEIU, local 10 to 1, has done a very powerful resolution of action um, on the erosion of democracy. That needs to be duplicated. Teach-ins, study groups, People need to know, really, his work is the equivalent of a Nelson Mandela um, yes. for our country. Yes. So, you know, why, who is, is it the corporate America actually doing this to us, right? Absolutely. Well, Whirlpool pretty much has a plan that they kind of want to get the extreme poor out of that area. They've already taken over a big golf course that had been deeded to the people of Benton Harbor. It appears that there are plans on the drawing board to essentially decertify that as a city and make it a more, a nicer place where people with money would be attracted to it and it would be, it would be possibly then um, reestablished under a different name, maybe Harbor Shores. And, uh, but the poor would be removed from there. Right, so the PGA could play there and all the rich could go in there and enjoy the harbor, et cetera. And not be bothered with the homeless and the poor who are just have this nasty habit of needing to eat and wanting to take care of their families. It's really sad that when you're, when you're saying like this, how the industrial cities of America have become wastelands. Yes. Uh, Detroit, you have the Badlands yes. and you know, you have all this. In your mind, what what made this happen? Was it just a, has there been a plan for over fifty years to keep 
most people can't even get a good job that could, like how you said earlier, mm -hmm. to you know even support their families. It's it's, it's, it's an agenda. It's a good question, Gregory, and I think it's two parts. I mean, one is we're looking at we're we're living through an economic revolution. So it's not, so what does that mean? Okay, so the Industrial Revolution of the early era, which a lot of minorities, I was just listening, we were talking a little bit about your family background. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a big push for uh, Italian Americans, many immigrant workers, obviously African Americans had to push to get into the industrial yes. working class. Big fight to establish a social contract that was beneficial to our aims. but. There's a new thing called the microchip and the robot, and baby, it's a game changer. It That's what game. the deal is, yes. and it do, and what it's doing is we are not needed as human beings in the paid workforce in mm -hmm. the same way. So there's a new social contract, <clears throat> or at least, excuse me, <clears throat> there's a new way that we need to establish what will be um, the rights, the laws, etc., because. Our job isn't to just benefit, isn't to benefit some shareholders. Our job is to take care of this generation and the next seven to make sure that they, I mean, that's a tradition that many Native populations have. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. I love that one. Yes. But that is a really different thing than if you're going to make somebody ka-ching, ka-ching. <clears throat> so we have these robots, and the robots aren't the problem. The question is, who owns them and how are they applied? So here in California, we're facing our own. Right. Silicon right down Valley, the road, right down baby, the road, huh? It's becoming Silicon Bay. Yeah. And as you and I speak, we have my neighbors cannot afford to Oakland, blue collar town. Right. One bedroom apartment, twenty five hundred dollars. So people with decent jobs Can't cannot afford, afford to live there. So people are being pushed out of San Francisco into Oakland and the people who once were able to live there or maybe lost their homes in the 2008 downturn, yes. are now completely displaced. We need to have a sense of, you know what, if we want a different vision as working people, we are going to have to fight for this. Yes, we are. And I think that that's the thing. This, imagine if those robots could be applied to cleaning up the, air, the, the earth that's been so horribly disfigured, uh, taking care of our people, but we are going to have to nationalize those bad boys to make that happen. That's true. And so, I, you know, I don't have any problem with it. We're going to have to have those <laughs> conversations in America. And so that's, it's time. I mean, you look at our brothers and sisters in Greece. Oh, yes. We don't need to wait until we're at that crisis level, even right. though in a certain way we are, but are we're asleep it. about it. Yes. You know, we have a, so many more Americans who are impoverished, but it's not... We, we are miseducated to believe when we think about poverty, oh, that's a, quote, minority problem. Well, if 80% of the population is poor or near poor, I'm sorry, isn't that a great majority of us? Yes. So that's, when you ask that great question, why are we in this situation? Mm -hmm. We have actually changed from an industrial-driven production and manufacturing to a robot-driven <laughs> production, and we have... Old laws, you got people making a bunch of money. I mean, if the one percent. <laughs> I mean, they got bags of money, and they're not bags. applying it. They're not applying it to the social to the social good. 
And they're not going to until we organize ourselves to make that the focus. When you talk about organizing, we've all watched on TV what ha does happen. You, you, we see all this uh, bizarre things about how the police are towards us. Mm -hmm. So if we organize, you, you will pro we would probably have some kind of a big face-off with the police department. Absolutely. Going back to Dr. Martin Luther King for the peace. Yes. How could we do that in this era the same kind of way? How do we educate or how could that possibly happen? So the way I look at it and as I've, and as I've viewed from the past year's activity, um, and of course these, some of these problems obviously have been going on. I mean the development of police forces were unfortunately developed as a part of... Slave codes. Slave, that's right, slave codes and managing, keeping a population um, in a geographic area that nobody in their right mind would work on unless you had a gun to your head. I mean, the sweltering South, my, my God. But now the control is really aimed at keeping people the discontent. But even given that, when I look at the protests that were done, the population was peaceful, defiant, organized. The problem is we have to learn that right now the police, we're miseducated to believe that the police are there to protect and serve the 99 percent, right. but actually they're there to protect and serve the 1 percent. That's right. And so it's a class issue, and until we can, you know, have, first have that very real conversation, mm -hmm. and then turn that dynamic so we can have class control of law enforcement, then that can begin to ensure that, look, your job is not to treat us as the enemy, we pay you, <laughs> you're, you're prescribed to be there in a peaceful manner, and we have the right mm -hmm. to protest, the right to protest injustice. Yes. It's a fundamental right. So I think that when I look at it, brother, I don't see that the workers have been the ones initiating the uh, violence. You know, we, our heads have been cracked. Our, you know, our children yes, have, yeah, been, yes. have been threatened. Uh, and I think that, but what we need to do is figure out how we move forward to teach ourselves what do we need to do? Because I don't. I think that it 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 gets projected. It's really been refined on how these minority communities, black and brown, have been managed in the past. Yes. But now it's been expanded to everyone, and I think that that's a part of what we have to take that message out. How do we build a unified movement to defend the rights? Not simply to defend the rights, but to build a broader society mm -hmm. where we all might thrive and not merely survive. That's a different vision. Yes, it is, and, and, and that is very possible. I mean, look at our inner cities. Yes. I've often told people, hey, if you, you give a man or a woman a job that pays well, that they can afford to live there, it's a benefit to all. Mm -hmm. And I just can't figure out why it never happens. It's just very, it's, it's a very small portion of it. If you look around, I mean, we could all thrive in this society. Well, we could, but I think that you can't have it when we have laws from Congress and so much of these of our parties have been captured by the corporations, right. yes. which essentially say they pay no taxes or very little. Can you imagine? So more and more of the public um, responsibility is on workers' backs and fewer and fewer of workers. And I mean, I think part of the new reality is a large new group of, of um, workers, the reality is they do part-time work, contingency work, this is a part of this new economic class, and it is like, wow, this is different than the industrial work class where you worked your butt off. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of funny, this attack on democracy and the reverend, uh, this word has to get out. 
this ha has to get out. Absolutely. And so by you with your the defense of, of Reverend, how is that working out? You know, when you say defense and it's all, is it throughout the United States other people are taking a hold of that? Absolutely. So, of course, it's sent, the epicenter is Michigan, um, and they have done some phenomenal defensive uh, efforts. But part of our goal last year, we were able to sponsor a tour What's the matter with Michigan? <laughs> and we had um, we had to bring in by Skype Reverend Pinckney because the judge prevented him from coming to community colleges and said, "Well, you so know, sad. you need to." Um, so, but that was all right. We used the technology to talk to the people of go. the Bay Area. We also had representatives from Flint, Michigan, okay. and representatives fighting for wa uh, for water and housing rights, and we just went throughout the communities of the East Bay. That's what we have to do. So a combination of the digital thing and the community thing to get the word out about not only the attack on our rights, but also how do we begin to fight forward, not fight back. How do we fight forward for a, I mean, of course we have to fight back. We have to defend ourselves. But, but we need more than that. We need to figure we're the architects of this new society. Right. That's a whole different other kind of way to deliberate. What do you think of, I'm going to ask you two, two last questions. First question is, what do you think about our leaders, our political leaders right now? You did mention about being a bot, bot but do you, do you really think that they're actually for our, our interests? No, I think that we, right now, we sadly in our country have a sense that if somebody has a bunch, bunch of money and celebrity and then they announce, I mean, gosh, in, in the Republican Party, you got two billionaires running for office. I mean, yeah, they really know what it's like to struggle to pay a mortgage or have rent or to figure out how your kid's education is going right. to go right. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about that, that Congress. You know, before we had the rotten one we have now, we had a democratically led one by the Democratic Party. And largely, they gave away the store. So the problem is, as working people, we don't have an independent voice. And I really believe until we have our own independent class party, we cannot ensure that these issues of economic rights Absolutely and justice true. are center and front so that we wouldn't have a silly fight like this where a person standing up for us is incarcerated and we have to break the silence. Right. So that the, the defense is doing that, but we need more. So we're in a state of fascism, I'd yes, say. Yes, sir, we are. So that is absolutely true. I've wondered where the common man or woman, it doesn't matter who it would be, we can't even get that because no. it's a two-party. We see the same two faces yes. all the time. That's terrible. It is terrible. You know, it's a wake-up call for us. Um, it, it matters what we do. What kind of America do we have? Do we have ones where when children get here from a country, from countries which are war-torn and they're starving, that we turn our backs and throw them out? Um, is it a place where we right down the street from us, um, disabled, mentally disabled people right. are beaten to death in jail when they're, right. I mean, of all colors. Mm -hmm. This is insane. It's insane. You know, um, Ethel, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> As you know, that we, we are an independent show, and man, I, would, I want you to come back. Uh, we could talk again. Um, but why don't you tell uh, the audience about where they could reach you on the internet and you could uh, tell them where, where to go. Sure. Your audience would be, would be happy if they would be involved and check out Justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E, the number four, P-I-N-K-E-Y dot com. It's a website, but it's also the hashtag for Twitter. And we'd like to invite your audience to help us 
you know, really get this thing out there. Help us with campaigns. Help to get the, the, the discussion about how we defend democracy in America. And um, here in, in the Bay Area, if you can contact the Women's Economic Agenda Project at weap.org. You guys are doing a great job, and we need Thank to have you. more of this all over. Thank you. You know, this lady came to a meeting that I was at, SEIU 10 to 1. She spoke so elegant that I said to myself, I got to get her on this show. Thank you. Thank you. You are such a pillar of just of economics, of, of just helping other people, human rights. Uh, I'm glad there's a person like you in the world. You make it a better place for all of us. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. So this is Gregory Correa with Ethel Long Scott, and we'd like to thank you for coming and visiting us in this room today. Peace and love to you. All right. Thank <laughs> you.